exploring the lives of ordinary Chinese people, sharing stories of impressive personalities. Life up close, presenting real China in real Chinese living. Life up close, where you can find out the latest about the ever-changing Chinese society. I'm your host Sam Duckett in Beijing. In recent years, some regions in China have seen a reversing trend of farmers turned migrant workers returning to the countryside. In the first story of this edition of Life Up Close, we'll explore the reasons behind this. I can feel that more and more companies here are recruiting this year. It's a result of local economic prosperity. I believe that more and more people will seek a life at home. I firmly believe that as agriculture and villages grow, there is a large potential for farmers to start businesses in rural areas. I hope the definition of farmers will change from a concept of identity to a concept of occupation, and farmers will be admired in the future. After this, we'll take a look at why over seven out of ten Chinese are suffering sleep disorders. We've done a research. Some people use electronic products half hour before sleep, and some other people read newspaper before sleep with the same content. Results show people who use electronic products suffer from a very poor quality of sleep and little deep sleep. So especially for seniors and those people who have sleep problems. We don't suggest they use electronic products, including computers, tablets, and even watch television before sleep. Stay tuned. If you have any interesting stories about China to share with us and can speak good English, why not join us in our worldwide broadcast? Don't hesitate to phone us or send us an email at life at cri.com.cn. In the past few decades, hundreds of millions of people in China have moved from the countryside to the cities to seek better lives. These migrant workers are called nongmingong in Chinese, which literally means farmers turned workers. The group have played a pivotal role in driving the nation's massive and rapid economic expansion. But migration comes at a price. Migrant workers were denied access to public and welfare services in the cities because they were not registered there. For these services, they would have to travel back to their home villages. Amid the deepening economic and social reforms, the government began to abolish some of the policies that prevented them from becoming full-status urban citizens. But while some of the migrant workers do choose to settle down in the cities, others, estimated to be millions, decided to return to their rural hometowns, where new opportunities are emerging. These returning migrant workers, with the support of favorable policies, are finding jobs with local businesses or starting their own in the agriculture, construction, and service industries. The new trend has won praise from some observers, who say it will benefit China's agricultural and overall rural development. In this two-part story, Yang Yong explains to us in detail. For many decades, moving to a major city has offered the best chance for a higher income and a better life, because of the country's long-standing and huge rural-urban economic and social gap. 
But now, as the economy improves in the hinterlands, a large number of the 300 million migrant workers are choosing to make a living back home. In the southwestern Sichuan province, the new phenomenon was especially noticeable at the end of this year's spring festival holiday. Sichuan has long been a source of migrant workers who seek opportunities in the country's more developed eastern and southern coastal regions. But in the province's swinging city, the usual exodus of villagers after the spring festival holiday seems to have largely stopped. For the past decade, local villager Wang Pingang and his wife worked in the southern city of Shenzhen. Having what they felt was little choice, they always regretted leaving their family behind. Wang, now middle-aged, says it was initially the family bond that prompted him to try and find a job in his homeland in recent years, but he failed. I tried to make a living at my hometown back then, but it was difficult for me to land a job. Then I went to the provincial capital Chengdu, but failed to land a job there as well, despite being recommended by a school. Wang's luck improved earlier this year, straight after the Spring Festival holiday, which ended on February the second. The local government of Suining organized a job fair at the city's railway station, giving him an opportunity to seek out possible job prospects. He found a job and was thus enabled to stay in his hometown. I can feel that more and more companies here are recruiting this year. It's a result of local economic prosperity. I believe that more and more people will seek a life at home. Wang adds that he is working to build a new house for his family. Now that he is working in his hometown, Wang feels it's time for him to mend family ties and move out of the hardships that go with migration. With the job security at home, he hopes to support the whole family. Wang is not the only one who has chosen to come back to Suining. Local official statistics show that 70% of the population in Suining live in rural areas, and half of them used to work away in the more developed regions. But recently, the trend has been reversing. Among the three million people living in rural areas of Suining, nearly seven in ten are now working near their homes. Zhao Ting, director of an employment agency in Suining, attributes the situation to a better local economy and higher salaries provided by local companies. The number of companies is increasing here, and they provide much better salaries and benefits than before, which attracts back those working away. By working close to their hometown, the villagers can not only take care of their families but also enjoy local conveniences. With economic conditions vastly improved in the hinterlands like Suining, many workers have made the same choice as Wang Pingan, opting to stay put and immerse themselves in the local economy and society. Many local companies are also expanding their businesses and recruiting these former migrant workers with the help of favorable policies implemented by local governments. Li Chun, a recruiter with the Sichuan Liankai Lighting Company, says his company really needs migrant workers to bring their skills back home. 
We really welcome those who have worked in eastern coastal provinces because they will share some of the most advanced ideas with us, like technological improvements. In the eastern city of Nantong in Jiangsu Province, it's a similar scenario. Villager Zhang Shanliang had worked in construction away from his hometown for many years, but this year he is seeking a job back in his hometown. I've worked in faraway places like Shandong, Guangdong, and Hebei provinces. I moved frequently in the past and earned little money. Nantong is my hometown, and I'm choosing to come back. The city of Nantong has seen an average decrease of 10% a year in terms of the number of workers migrating to other regions. The prosperity of the local real estate sector and urban development has created a large demand for skilled construction workers in recent years. Local employers are offering a monthly salary of at least 5,000 yuan, about 700 US dollars, for welders and carpenters. The amount is on a par with what their counterparts can earn working in an affluent megacity like Shanghai. Lu Hanfei is the manager of a factory building project that's not finished. He says skilled carpenters are in short supply. We are short of carpenters. Young people born in Nantong don't want to do this job as it's laborious. These jobs are usually taken by migrant workers from Guizhou and Jiangxi provinces. Overall, rural regions across the country have seen an estimated 7 million people return from the urban areas in recent years. In the meantime, some of the regions seeing migrant workers coming back are facing a shortage of skilled workers against a backdrop of intensive local infrastructure construction and housing development like in Nantong. Zhou Nongjian, a sociology researcher with the Nanjing Normal University, points out that the new trend of migrant workers returning home will benefit the country's rural and overall economic development. I think some of the farmers turned migrant workers will become regular urban residents, but others will return to their rural hometowns to start a business with the skills and capital that they have earned during their migrant work. This is, I think, a positive trend. The shortage of migrant workers faced by some enterprises will force them to restructure and upgrade their technology, which is good for the overall economy. Now let's take a short break and then we'll have a look in detail at China's agricultural and rural economic development as well as the government's support measures in the second part of this story. Stay tuned. If you have any interesting stories about China to share with us and can speak good English, why not join us in our worldwide broadcast? Don't hesitate to phone us or send us an email at life at cri.com.cn.
China Plus focuses on the Middle Kingdom, bringing you breaking news and the stories that matter to you from both inside and outside the country. Up to the minute reports about China, live streaming audio, and fascinating programs. Insightful opinion on everything China related. Discover what's hot in our most read section. Everything in focus, all in one place. China Plus. Search the App Store or Google Play for China Plus. You're listening to Life Up Close. Here's Yang Yong again, explaining the agricultural and rural development in China. China has long been marked by the massive rural-urban economic and social divides, with the countryside lagging far behind the urban areas. In December last year, the central government said it would intensify policy support in the next five years to narrow the divide and double farmers' average per capita income by 2020 from what it was in 2010. The amount was a little more than 5,900 yuan, or less than a thousand U.S. dollars seven years ago, when their urban counterparts earned as three times as that. The Chinese government says it will increase investment in agricultural infrastructure construction and strengthen financial services in rural areas. The authorities are also expected to unveil more policies to support rural residents so they can start their own businesses and provide more training services to farmers in agricultural skills. Earlier this year, Minister of Agriculture Han Changfu. Vowed to help rural residents and those migrant workers who have come back to their villages. I firmly believe that as agriculture and villages grow, there is a large potential for farmers to start businesses in rural areas. I hope the definition of farmers will change from a concept of identity to a concept of occupation, and farmers will be admired in the future. The agriculture minister said support policies would mainly cover such areas as market access, financial assistance, land use, and insurance. Li Guoxiang, a researcher on agricultural affairs with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, points out that land use reform and financial support are crucial for rural development. Some people want to start a business back in their hometowns with the skills and capital earned while working far away from home, but they may face difficulties of land use and financing. It's important for the government to come up with detailed and pragmatic policies in this regard. The use of farmland is a big issue in the world's most populous country, where food security and the well-being of rural residents are matters of high priority. According to a policy issued in October last year, rural residents can enjoy greater freedoms to transfer the land they have contracted, while their right to collectively own the land remains unchanged. Chinese farmers don't personally own their farmland. In rural areas, land is owned collectively by a group of people or the administrative village, usually including hundreds or thousands of villagers. A plot of land is then allocated or contracted to an individual rural family who actually work on it. As the rural workforce migrated to better-paid jobs in the big cities, in 2008. 
China began to allow the farmers to sublet, transfer, and merge the plots of land for which they are contracted as part of reforms to bolster modern farming and reuse unattended land. With the 2008 policy, farmers have been allowed to turn their land use rights into shares in farming enterprises or cooperative societies. The policy issued last year will lead to the formation of mechanisms that will make the process more standardized. These land reforms are intended to increase the income of farmers while modernizing agriculture. The new rural farmland policies have, in reality, led to a flourishing of agriculture-related industries and have attracted migrant workers to return to their home villages. In agriculture itself, officials have said they will make more efforts to consolidate the country's farmland use and lay a solid foundation for the country's agriculture modernization. These efforts will be spearheaded by a five-year state input of 1.7 trillion yuan. According to the Ministry of Land and Resources, China will renovate about 15 to 20 million hectares of farmland for stable yield in case of drought or excessive rain by the end of 2020. Zhuang Xiaoqing, head of the planning department with the Ministry of Land and Resources, says the farmland preservation and renovation work is of major importance. An important task of land use reform is making the most out of the available inventory. This embodies the Chinese ethos of thrifty and intensive land use. Apart from farmland protection and biological preservation, we also have to facilitate the development of new type agri-industries and promote new concept urbanization as we build a new countryside. To ensure food safety, the Ministry of Agriculture issued a plan to improve the quality and safety of agriculture products in February. According to the plan, by 2020, 97% of major agricultural products should meet quality standards in routine checks. The Ministry has set and modified nearly 10,000 standards on pesticide and veterinary drug residue to guarantee food safety. Leading agricultural enterprises are also now being required to make their food and vegetables traceable. Wang Defu, director with the Supervision Bureau of the Agriculture Ministry, explains. To put it into plain words, we need to give these agricultural products an ID or a QR code to allow buyers to trace the product's origin. China started structural reforms in its agricultural sector a few years ago. Partly due to the structural adjustment, the country's grain output dropped slightly last year, ending a 12-year rising streak. The yield stood at about 616 million tons, down by about 5.2 million tons, or 0.8% year-on-year. Thanks, Yan Yong. Now let's take a short break and then we'll take a close look at the rampant sleep disorders among Chinese residents. Stay tuned.
have any interesting stories about China to share with us and can speak good English, why not join us in our worldwide broadcast? Don't hesitate to phone us or send us an email at life at cri.com.cn. China Plus focuses on the Middle Kingdom, bringing you breaking news and the stories that matter to you from both inside and outside the country. Up-to-the-minute reports about China, live streaming audio, and fascinating programs. Insightful opinion on everything China-related. Discover what's hot in our most read section. Everything in focus, all in one place. China Plus. Search the App Store or Google Play for China Plus. You're listening to Life Up Close. Sleeping the night through has become a luxury for many Chinese living amid the growing stress of a fast-paced society. A survey by Chinese Sleep Research Society shows that 76% of Chinese aged 10 to 45 suffer from sleep disorders. Only 11% of the nearly 60,000 surveyed say they could regularly sleep the whole night through. The survey is part of activities marking the 17th World Sleep Day that falls on March 21st. Entrepreneurs suffer the most due to competitive pressure and uncertainty about their careers, and 91% of them still feel tired even after sleeping. In addition, the survey shows that use of computers and mobile phones affects sleep quality. Some 93% of respondents say they spent time watching TV series or shopping on the internet before going to bed. As technology increasingly becomes part of our lives, more people like to use mobile phones, watch news and entertain themselves through social media before sleep. The screens on phones, computers and tablets emit a blue light that stimulates the optic nerves and suppresses the secretion of melatonin, a hormone that helps ready us for sleep. Lu Lin, Institute Director of Mental Health at Peking University, advises people to avoid exposure to electronic screens before sleep. We've done a research. Some people use electronic products half hour before sleep, and some other people read newspaper before sleep with the same content. Results show people who use electronic products suffer from a very poor quality of sleep and little deep sleep. So especially for seniors and those people who have sleep problems, we don't suggest they use electronic products, including computers, tablets, and even watch television before sleep. Doctors say the fast pace of life, work pressure, and extensive use of lighting are all factors resulting in insomnia. Occasional insomnia is common, but constant insomnia may induce various problems such as high blood pressure and diabetes. Drinking alcohol or doing sports before going to bed does not help. Statistics show that the risk of depression is greater in insomniacs and abuse of alcohol and other substances is more prevalent among them. According to doctors, the appropriate sleep time for an adult is 7 to 8 hours, less for the elderly and 9 to 10 hours for children. Constant lack of sleep among children would lead to attention disorders and may even affect the development of the brain. The World Sleep Day has been marked in China since 2003. With that, we come to the end of this edition of Life Up Close. Hope you have enjoyed it. For more, please log on to our website of chinaplus.cri.cn. For our program producer, Yin Xiu Qi, this is Sam Bucket in Beijing. Bye for now.